Hello, word nerds, and welcome to a very special episode of The Dictionary. Today, I have a special guest reader, and it's been a while since I've had one. This guest reader is my wife, Sharon. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Spencer. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> Good to meet you. That reminds me of, uh, uh, and, and how did this get made? Uh, two of the co-hosts are Paul and June, and they're married, but every time they he introduces her they have a very cordial hi paul how are you i'm good june how are you <laughs> it's pretty funny they the people joke uh, about that a lot anyway we are going to read some words we are at the top of page 58 are you ready i'm ready go the first word is apical dominance it is a noun from 1947 which means inhibition of the growth of lateral buds by the terminal bud of a shoot fascinating <laughs> The next word is (laughs) apical meristem, which is a noun originating from 1934, a meristem at the apex of a root or shoot that is responsible for increase in length. I don't know what a meristem is, but there you go. I think it's a stem that takes Viagra. (laughs) The next word is apiculate, which is an adjective from 1830 which means ending abruptly in a small distinct point. An example is an apiculate leaf. Next we have apiculture, which is a noun from 1864 and means the keeping of bees, especially on a large scale. And the adjective of apiculture would be apicultural and another noun uh, the person who would be responsible for apiculture would be an apiculturist. Next, we have a piece, which is an adverb from the 15th century, meaning for each one. A synonym would be individually. Next word is apis, capital A P I S, which is a noun from the 14th century, meaning a sacred bull worshipped by the ancient Egyptians. Next, we have apish, which is an adjective originating around 1527, meaning resembling an ape, kind of like Spencer now, (coughs) with how long is Harris, (laughs) (laughs) Um, as a, an extremely silly or affected example, apish antics, or b, given to slavish imitation, and apishly would be the adverb form of the word. Next, we have APL, all caps, APL, which is a noun from 1966, meaning a computer programming language designed especially for the concise representation of algorithms. And I'm not a tech person at all, so I actually didn't know that APL stood for a programming language. I'm just very familiar with the acronym and not the actual uh, meaning of the acronym. Yeah, I don't even know what APL is, but yeah, it literally says that it gets the letters from A, programming, and language. So that's kind of interesting. Next, we have a word I've never heard before. Aplanatic, spelled A-P-L-A-N-A-T-I-C. It's an adjective from 1794, and it means free from or corrected for spherical aberration. An example, an aplanatic lens. 
Yeah, so it looks like this is for optics and the way lenses are built and uh, carved. Uh, that's probably not the right word, but, you know, like a lens and like a, maybe an observatory lens or a camera lens or something uh, gets rid of spherical aberration. Hmm. I've never heard of this term before. I wonder if my friend who's an optometrist would know what this means. Yeah, maybe. Um, can I just ask, how do they know the approximate year or the exact year that these words were they're smart. <laughs> Honestly, I, I think it's really just like the first known usage of it. So it could have been from before that, but they know that it was used in in 1794 in some maybe written thing. Um, and that's, that's the first known usage. That's as far as I understand it, at least. Oh, thank you. So it looks like this is adding the letter A plus the Greek word, aplanisthi, which means to wander, and we can find more about this uh, if we flip pages to the word planet. Which we're not going to do right now. All right, so next word is something that, um, as a nurse, I'm actually familiar with this. So it is aplastic anemia, which is a noun from 1928. It is an anemia that is characterized by defective function of the blood-forming organs, as in bone marrow, and is caused by toxic agents as chemicals or x-rays, or is idiopathic in origin. I'm glad you understand that because I don't. I'll educate you later. Thanks. Next we have a plenty. And this is the first form. You can see that by that little superscript one. This is the first form of two. Usually what that means is that one of them is a noun and one of them is an adjective or a verb or something like that. So we'll start with the first form. So the first form is an adjective from 1830, meaning being in plenty or abundance used post-positively. An example, money aplenty for all their needs. Don't we all wish we had money aplenty? Money aplenty for everyone. Woo-woo. The second form of the word aplenty is an adverb from 1846. The first definition would mean in abundance. A synonym would be plentifully. And the second definition would be very much. A synonym would be extremely, as in scared aplenty, which... During Halloween season, because <laughs> I'm a Halloween nerd, I love to scare Spencer a plenty. <laughs> and you love to be scared because you love to watch horror movies. So maybe we should uh, use this word. I've been scared a plenty. <laughs> the next word is a plate, which is a noun originating from 1879, which means a fine-grained, light-colored granite consisting almost entirely of quartz and feldspar. Yeah, it's a rock term. Oh, I don't really hear people asking for us. Uh, you know, I watch a lot of HGTV. You never hear anyone being like, oh, this is a feldspar countertop. <laughs> Fancy. Woo. All right. So where were we? An adjective of the word a polite would be a politic. Uh, so there is some etymology for this word, aplite. Uh, it says it's probably from the German applet, which is from the Greek haplous, H-A-P-L-O-O-S, which means simple, and there's more at the prefix H-A-P-L. I don't know what that means, but we will move on. Next we have aplam, not to be confused with 
a plum, which is a fruit. And you stick your thumb in a plum, right? <laughs> what? <laughs> it's that old, uh, was that, that P- Peter Pumpkin? No, that's the wrong one. Peter Pumpkin Eater? Not that one, not that one. The Stuck one... his thumb in a plum? Yeah, there's the, there's that old fairy tale, not a fairy tale. I have no idea what you don't fairy know what tales this is. your parents read you. <laughs> You've never heard the one where the kid sticks his thumb in a plum? It's All right, we'll, we'll look it's it up. It's been a we'll long time, up. and we don't and have we're kids. Old. And we're we're so old. We're nearing our 40s. So this one is A-P-L-O-M-B. That's how it's spelled. And it is a noun originating from 1823. And it means complete and confident, composure or self-assurance. A synonym would be poise. Hmm. And actually, it looks like... The synonym for that definition is poise, and then there's a synonym for, well, it's really just one definition. Another synonym is confidence. Hmm. Interesting. And the etymology for this one says uh, that it is a French word. It literally means perpendicularity, um, and it is from the French a plum, uh, two separate words, which literally means according to the plummet, P-L-U-M-M-E-T. And being a nurse and science nerd that I am, I'm also familiar with the next word, which is apnea. And this is a noun originating from 1719. The first definition is transient cessation of respiration, especially sleep apnea. The second definition is asphyxia. And the adjective form of the word apnea is apneic. And the next word is actually a British variation of the word apnea. Uh, the definition I just read to you is spelled A-P-N-E-A, and this is spelled A-P-N-O-E-A. I believe it's just pronounced the same, apnea, but it's the British variation. I didn't know that. Yeah, we get that a lot. There's a lot of, like, sometimes they'll add O's or they'll add uh, other vowels or things. But, this, yeah, this comes up pretty often. The next word is apo, A-P-O, which is a noun. The plural form is apos, A-P-O-S. It originates from 1983, and the synonym is and it's usually used with a letter or letter and number. So from your nursing scientific background, do you know what an apolipoprotein is or what the letter and number? I wouldn't know. I've heard of it. I could not tell you off the top of my head because basically, um, yeah, as a nurse, they basically make you uh, memorize the amount of information a doctor would need to know (laughs) in a very short amount of time. And depending on what your actual job is, if you don't use those terms every day, it's familiar, but you're not going to be able to remember the exact right definition or and it's not something you use every day definitely not no not not in my job so well we will get to that word apolipoprotein in the near future probably and next we have an abbreviation apo all caps which stands for army post office next we have the prefix apo apo or just ap one away from or off an example aphelion spelled a p h e l i o n two meaning detached or separate an example 
apogamy, A-P-O-G-A-M-Y, and three, formed from or related to. An example, apomorphine, apomorphine, like that drug, and also the band. Yeah, if you don't know the band Morphine, you should listen to them. They're cool. They're amazing. Spencer introduced me to them, and now they're one of my favorite bands. Yay. All right, and so finally, we have APOC, capital A-P-O-C. It's an abbreviation for, one, the apocalypse, two, apocrypha, spelled A-P-O-C-R-Y-P-H-A, and three, apocryphal, A-P-O-C-R-Y-P-H-A-L. And since this is abbreviation for the end of the world, I think this is a good place to say this is the end of my episode. (laughs) It is the end of your episode, although I do want you to pick a word of the episode. So of all the words that you read, which do you pick to be your favorite? And you can use whatever criteria you want. Hmm. So I think I'm going to do a plum just because I think it sounds kind of elegant and uh, I didn't realize that it meant poise or confidence and I think it would be kind of a fun word to use now and substitute it for either poise or confidence. Uh, Not that I use the word poise a lot, but (laughs) Um, maybe confidence. Yeah, so I'm going to go with that one. There have been a number of words that I've come across that I say to myself, or I say out loud, I should use this word in my everyday language. And of course, I immediately forget it. Well, you don't want people to think that you're like better than them. So uh, no, I don't want to sound too fancy because the truth is I'm not. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, that will end the episode. Uh, thank you very much for everybody listening. Thank you to Sharon for recording an episode. Uh, you might see her again in the future. You might not. We'll find out. And uh, until next time, this is Spencer and Sharon reading the dictionary. Thanks for getting creepy with us. (laughs) So for the regular listener of my podcast, uh, you were probably confused as to why Sharon said, thanks for getting creepy with us. Uh, The reason she said that is because that is the way that she signs off on her podcast, which is called Whores Talk Horror. And of course, uh, we have to say... They're not really whores. They just like wordplay. So it's her and her friend Mindy. Uh, They have a podcast where they talk about horror movies and true crime and uh, the paranormal and other creepy things. So if you are interested in any of those, please go check out their podcast, Horrors Talk Horror, and I can put a link in uh, the episode description. Thank you, Spencer. Thank you, Sharon, my wife. My wife. (laughs) You're welcome. This was fun. Cool. I hope to uh, have you back. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. It's not, uh, our podcasts are kind of opposite. Very opposite, but I totally respect um, this podcast, and I think it's very interesting. So I'm I'm glad you're doing it, and yeah. I'll convince you to do one more in the future. All right, that is the end of the episode. Thank you very much, and goodbye. Goodbye.